Last week, as we were discussing Surah Naml, we came to the point where Sayyidina Sulaiman was inspecting his battalions, his troops, his armies, and then he checked on the Hooper birds and he noticed one particular bird was the leader of the Hooper birds by the name of Hudhud was missing. He then waited for Hudhud to arrive, for Hudhud to explain his whereabouts and where has he been for this period. And then Hudhud explained that he traveled to a place called Sana'a in Yemen. And he came across a queen and her people who were involved in worshipping the sun. This had concerned Sayyidina Sulaiman alayhi salam. Sulaiman alayhi salam penned a letter and sent that letter to Bilqis. And now when she received this letter, Bilqis was the name of the queen of this land in Sana'a. When she received this letter, that is the point where we ended off at the end of that particular ruku. And now we commence with the third ruku of this beautiful surah. So, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Ahmedu wa nasadi ala rasulil karimu When When Sulaiman alayhi salam sent the letter to Bilqis, it, it was written there, Innahu min Sulaiman, indeed this is from Sulaiman. Wa innahu bismillahirrahmanirrahim, and indeed in the name of Allah, the most compassionate, the most merciful, Allah ta'alu alayya wa atuni muslimin, and that you should not be proud and arrogant for over me, and just come to me as Muslims. In this ruku, the ruku starts off by uh, the, the mashwara of Bilqis uh, to her, her ministers. قالت بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قالت يا أيها الملأ أفتوني في أمري Oh my, oh my ministers She said oh my ministers Assist me in making a decision in this matter of ours ما كنت قاطعة أمرا حتى تشهرون I wasn't ever decisive in the matter unless you were around Unless you were there to witness it yeah, so after, you see the matter was with Sulaiman salam, and we can't understand that level of diplomacy and that level of correspondence. Perhaps that was prevalent between the kings and the style of correspondence at that time. But Sulaiman salam was prayed to the point that come to me, don't be arrogant and submit to me, making it clear that he's an Abi of Allah Jalla Jalalu and he's not open to them rebelling at all. So now Bilqis was asking for opinions from her ministers and now her ministers gave her the following advice. They said, certainly we are a strong nation and we possess fierce fighters as well. So if it means we need to engage them in battle, we are strong and we are fierce as well and we will be able to do so. But finally, the matter is with you. And then you decide what you actually wish and you give us your command. Imam Qurtubi mentions at this point here, he says that whenever, whenever she, whenever Binukis would, uh, would make mashura with her, uh, her ministers, she'd always do it in a, in a very open manner and she'd always be willing to accept any advice. However, the, they would always respond to her, the her ministers would always respond to her in a way that would please her eye. So it would always make her feel like, you know, we're better than others. So, you know what, we've got, we've got manpower, we've got numbers, we've got everything, whatever you want us to do, we're ready. That's basically Saka. what they said. Yeah. <laughs> she said that all, all kings, 
whenever they enter and they and they attack a, a, a village or a city of Saduha, they mess it up completely. And they make they humiliate the, the honored among those people. And like that is the, how the kings used to do before. However, myself, I will be sending to them a gift. And then we'll see what their messengers come back to us with. Now Imam, uh, or rather uh, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, he says at this juncture here that uh, she sent a gift to, to the king uh, to see whether he is inclined towards the dunya or not, whether he accepts it. If he accepts it, he's inclined to the dunya. And if he does not accept it, then he is a Nabi, he is truthful in his word, in what he wants us to do, and we will follow him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she mentioned the, the pro of the whole thing is, look here, we do have the reinforcements to engage Suleiman in battle. The cons in the whole matter is that if any king invades a particular land, it, it causes absolute chaos, and even the honorable people are led into disgraceful positions. So now my method or my plan that I'm going to implement is I will send some gifts, and then if he inclines towards the gifts and he becomes excited with the gifts, that means he's not a man of too much integrity. But if he's not too interested in the gifts, that would mean that he is a prophet. So now the next verse speaks about Suleiman Salam's reaction. Now, you might think that everybody receives gifts. Rasulullah also received gifts. Rasulullah taught us to gift. But what is the significance of this gift that Suleiman it would be a determining factor of his prophethood that whether he receives it or he doesn't receive it, well, that will be explained in this verse. When they came to Suleiman Suleiman says, do you wish to assist me with wealth? Meaning that the purpose was they were bribing Suleiman that don't invade us, don't try to take us to guidance, don't take us away from sun worship, we will give you a few things, we will buy you off, and like that we will be able to, uh, be able to silence you. Whatever Allah has given me is better than what Allah has given you. You people, the sun worshippers, dunya-related people, materialistic people, you are people who get thrilled by these bribes when you see the figures. I don't get excited by these things because what Allah gave me is better than what Allah gave you. So in Ma'arif al-Quran, it mentions something very fascinating. So in order to bribe Sulaiman salam, they came with slave girls and the main gift that they brought was they brought gold bricks. To give Suleiman as a show of wealth to buy Suleiman they brought gold bricks, a small amount of gold bricks. As they were on their way, Allah sent wahid to Suleiman informing him that they will be coming with these gold bricks. Suleiman to display his independence, he ordered the jinnats to pave his entire entrance with gold bricks. For 30 miles towards the entrance of Suleiman Salam's palace was paved with gold bricks to show them that he's not impressed by their one or two gold bricks. Subhanallah, subhanallah. And it also shows that despite them giving them one or two gold bricks compared to Suleiman Salam, they were also well off to do. Mm. They were also quite 
a sustained uh, kingdom. So Sulaiman alayhi salam, how does he respond to them? Once he says, irja ilayhim. He tells the messengers, go back to them. Inform them and let them know this, that we will come to them with an army that has no direction. They will have no direction in them facing them. If the army has to come to this place here, to where Biltis and them are in Sabah, they won't know which direction is the front of the army because everywhere it will just look like just people. And it's mentioned in some Mufassir, Mufassir uh, Tafsir Kitabs, this army was so big that the front of the army was in Iraq and the back of the army was in Yemen. And we will remove them from where they are humiliated and they will be amongst the low, the, the low level people. Ibn Abbas mentioned here. لما رجعت رسل بالقيس إليها من عند سليمان وأخبروها الخبرة. When these messengers went to to Bilqis from Sulaiman alayhi salam, when they went to Bilqis and they informed her about this, قالت قد عرفت قد عرفت ما هذا بملك. I understand now that this here is not just any king. وما لنا به من طاقة. And we have no power against this man. After saying, after saying, نحن ألوقوا. We are those of and we have severe might against anybody that faces us. She says, We have no power against this man. And send to Sulaiman that we are coming to him. With all the honorable people of my nation. So that we can just go and view or understand what he wants from us. And why is he calling us to his deen? And then they went to Sulaiman alayhi salam. How many of them went? 12,000 people strong they went to Sulaiman alayhi salam. Not intending to fight, but intending to submit. <clears throat> Subhanallah. So now they're setting out to meet and engage with Sulaiman alayhi salam to be cordial, to submit. Because they know there's major consequences in rebelling against a Nabi which sent by Allah, right? So now... The next verse speaks about something which is truly fascinating. As they are making their way from Yemen to Suleiman alayhi salam, and they are so close to Suleiman alayhi salam's palace, that Suleiman alayhi salam can already see the dust of their armies, Allah inspires Suleiman alayhi salam with something. Suleiman alayhi salam now acts on this inspiration from Allah. He speaks to his subordinates, his ministers, which includes Jinnats and humans and all of them. He says, He says, Oh my courtiers, Who from amongst you can come to me with her throne before she arrives here in submission? So she is so close. And at this point, he's asking, Who can go to Yemen? get her throne, a royal seat, and return back with it into my court before she enters into my palace in submission. Who can do this? So one of the strong uh, jinnat, uh, and, and taking into account that now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is explaining to us how Sulaiman alayhi salam had uh, uh, um, uh, ownership or, or, or kingdom 
or sovereignty domain, dominion over these jinnat. And in the previous part of the same story, but in the previous ruku, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about how Sulaiman alayhi salam had, uh, had control over the animals, the birds, etc. Now it's a different creation. So anyways, one of the ifrit of the jinn, one of the strong jinnat said, Ana'atika bihi. I will come with it. Qabla an Before you can even stand up from this mashura that we're having now, the 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 seat the, the arsh will be there the throne will be there. Wa inni wa inni alaihi laqawiyun amin. And I'm not telling you this here because I can, I'm I'm trying to show it because I'm strong enough to do it and I'm trustworthy. Yeah. So then the conversation continues where somebody else batters that. Qal aladhi indahu ilmu min al kitab. Then somebody who had knowledge of the kitab. Which kitab? The zabur. The Zabur was revealed to Sayyidina Dawood the father of Sulaiman So somebody who possessed that knowledge said, Ana atika bihi qabla I can bring you her throne before you even blink your eyes. And then it was brought. And when, when it was placed firmly in front of Sulaiman he said, this is from the grace of my Rabb. Now, who was it who brought this to Sayyidina Sulaiman This is not mentioned in the Quran. Mufassirun rely on other sources to try to determine who was it who brought this chair, the royal chair, all the way from Yemen to Sulaiman in the period which was so short before Sulaiman could blink his eyes. The one says there was an individual by the name of Asif. Asif was the cousin of Sulaiman He was a pious individual. He had knowledge of the Zabur. He, he made two rakats of Salah. And then he pointed in a particular direction. And then the chair was then present. Another source says that this Ifritum min al-Jinn was a giant from the Jinns. And he boastfully said he can accomplish it. And he was talking with pride. So Sayyidina Sulaiman humbling many different people in this ruku, amongst them was Ifritum min al-Jinn. Sayyidina Sulaiman said, I, as the person with the knowledge of the Zabur, I will bring it myself. And he had influence over the wind. And Sulaiman brought it himself using the wind, obviously through the power of Allah Jalla Jalalu, that Allah had conferred to Sulaiman he brought it into the palace and placed it there in front of the people. Mulana Wasim, did you come across any other tafsirs related to who it was? No, no, no. So the only one I've got is, is Asif one. It's the one that you mentioned first. And if it was, whether it was Asif, and it's more so a miracle or, 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 or something to, to ponder on, if it was Sulaiman himself, because the moment it came in front of him, and I think many of us need to learn this, this quality, that when we see something, say, this is from the virtue of Allah, this is from what Allah is, bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he has given me, to test me whether I'm grateful or not grateful, whether I'm grateful or ungrateful. And even still, if I'm grateful, even if I'm grateful, it's only for my benefit that I'm grateful. It's only for my benefit that I'm ungrateful. And if, I, if I'm ungrateful, then know well that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is independent of my being grateful, or, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is most generous. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so generous, it's mentioned here in this tafsir kitab, that Allah is so generous that he gives the kufar despite, him, but despite them not believing in Allah. 
You know, Mulana Wasim, while you were speaking, right, I turned two pages back. And if you look at Sayyidina Sulaiman, Allah was so bountiful to him, but at the same time, he was consistently grateful to Allah. If you look a few pages back, وَلَقَدْ آتَيْنَا دَاوُدَ وَسُلَيْمَانَ عِلْمًا Certainly we gave Dawood and Sulaiman knowledge. As a reaction to that knowledge, وَقَالَ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي فَضَّلَنَا عَلَىٰ كَثِيرٍ مِّنْ عِبَادِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ We praised Allah who has preferred us over many of the believing servants. So that's one example, right? Then if you turn the next page, Sayyidina Sulaiman says, قَالَ رَبِّ أَوْزِعْنِي أَنْ أَشْكُرَ نِعْمَتَكَ الَّتِي أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيَّ وَعَلَى وَالِدَيَّ Oh Allah, give me the tawfiq, inspire me to make shukr for the bounties that you have blessed me with. And now this verse that we are reading now, I actually lost. <laughs> I actually lost to where we were. <laughs> Even here at this point, he is grateful to Allah and is attributing the bounty to Allah. One misconception about humility is that humility does not mean to deny the bounty from Allah. Humility means to attribute the bounty to Allah instead of attributing it to yourself. So somebody says, Manana Wasim, you speak so well on Radio Islam. What the mashallah, boy. I like listening to your program. Don't say, no, 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 bye, our program is boring. Because in the process, you're also saying that I'm boring. You can say yourself, you're boring if you want, right? But rather just attribute it to Allah. Say, Alhamdulillah, it's from Allah. And that is what humility is. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can, you know, today one of the, okay, maybe we, do we have time? Okay, so one of the, one of the students today, he was explaining, uh, he was explaining how he makes his salah or what happened in the Jummah salah of his, and then there like a couple other boys, and this is like usual with the youth, like, oh, mashallah, oof, 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 you know, like in a sarcastic way, like, you know, putting him down. So I just, I just explained to them about self-esteem and, and, and self-worth and peer pressure, you know, there, there, there's a, there's a balance there. They say if you're going to let them pressure you into not speaking about the good that you do, you're going to lose self-worth and think what you're doing is not right. Mm-hmm. You're going to think what you're doing is not sufficient. So you must also, if somebody tells you something, don't lose your self-esteem. Carry on doing what you're doing. Hada min fadli rabbi. That's from the bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From my rabb. From my rabb. He gave me this here. And I'm not going to feel mm-hmm. bad about what he gave me. Subhanallah. So then in the next verse, Allah, Allah says that, uh, quoting Sulaiman alayhi salam, now the, the throne was there, right? The royal chair was there. Then bring the throne, disguise it, change its appearance. And when she comes in, we will determine whether she's guided or whether she's from amongst those who are not guided. So the way she was testing Sulaiman earlier, Sulaiman was now testing whether she's a discerning, intelligent lady who has acumen, who's able to notice her throne here, or whether she doesn't have that ability. And this is also important that maybe we must also try to be people of discernment, where we notice things that's around us. We must be at the stage where we are alert constantly, no? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And now, Bilqis comes towards the palace and it said, someone says, arshuk, is this not your throne? She says, it, it seems like, it, it, looks, it looks familiar. Now 
Now this here is the speech of Sulaiman alayhi salam. She said, he says, وَأُوتِينَ الْعِلْمَ And we've been given knowledge مِنْ قَبْلِهَا Before her, before anything regarding her, وَكُنَّا مُسْلِمِينَ And also before her, we were also Muslims. وَصَدَّهَا مَا كَانَتْ تَعْبُدُ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ And whatever she was worshipping other than Allah has stopped her and buried her from worshipping and believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. إِنَّهَا كَانَتْ مِنْ قَوْمٍ كَافِرِينَ Indeed, she was from those disbelieving nations. Mm-hmm. So, The translation that I came across was that she said that the knowledge of your prophethood came to us before this particular throne and before we came here and all of this. And that's why we have come here as people who submitted. Now, the beauty of this next verse is that it can be translated in two ways. This particular throne and the appearance of her throne is what stopped her from worshipping anybody besides Allah. Or it could be that it is clear through what had happened in the last verse that she is an intelligent person. But the only thing that prevented her from worshipping anything, worshipping Allah with nothing besides Allah. Or, yeah, let me try to articulate this better. Uh, that she is an intelligent person. But the things that she worshipped besides Allah prevented her from worshipping Allah alone. But she is definitely an intelligent woman. And the verse above tells it to us, And previously she was from amongst the disbelieving people. And then Allah goes further saying, It was said to her, Let's enter the palace, let's enter the castle. فَلَمَّا رَأَتْهُ حَسِبَتْهُ لُجَّةً وَكَشَفَتْ عَنْ سَاقَيْهَا This here is, a, is proof that, that she didn't have what Sulaiman a.s. had. Mm-hmm. When she looked inside the palace and is about to enter the palace, حَسِبَتْهُ لُجَّةً It seemed to her as if it was a pool of water. وَكَشَفَتْ عَنْ سَاقَيْهَا And she lifted up her skirt, lifted up her dress, not completely, like lifted it up, you know when you want to walk through a pond, you, you lift up your kurta, you lift up the abaya, you lift it up just so that you can walk through the pond. So she lifted it up, exposing part of her shin. And she intended to walk through it. It's, it's, it was said to her, they told her, listen, yeah, this is, it's, not, it's not a pool of water, you can put your dress down, it's okay. It's a palace made of like glass. It's a palace made of glass looking like crystal. So it just looks shiny and it was a smooth, smooth surface. So it looked as if it was a uh, pool of water. Yeah. So at this point, an interesting note is that the tafsirs mentioned that when the grass of, 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 of Bilqis was raised, then immediately Sayyidina Suleiman looked away. He didn't look at her calves which was exposed. Now, there is so much of discussion about this first glance where Rasulullah taught us that the first glance is permissible when looking at the opposite gender and then the second glance is sinful. Basically, Rasulullah is telling us that the unintentional action which you did not do purposely, that is not sinful. But once you look at something which is wrong, you immediately look away. And what the duration of the first glance should be, it should be like if you put your hand on a stove and you think it's not hot. 
and the duration it takes you to, to, to realize that it's hot, that's the duration of your first glance. So Suleiman when she raised her dress, and Suleiman immediately looked away and said to her, Qala, no, this is actually a palace, it's not a pond of water that has been built and beautified from glass. She, her reaction to this. Now, remember, whatever the people are involved in in a particular era, Allah causes the Nabi to surpass the people and Allah blesses the Nabi with more bounties in that particular area. Like, um, uh, Isa people were involved in medicine. During the time of Rasulullah they were involved in eloquence and poetry. So Allah blessed the Nabi to surpass them. So at this time, she was a queen. Allah blessed the Nabi to surpass her in order to bring her to the truth. When she's seen this, imagine how beautiful it must have been where it looked like a pond of water, but it's actually just glass. She replied, Qalat Rabbi inni zalamtu nafsi. Oh Allah, I have, I have sinned against myself. Wa aslamtu ma'a Sulaymana lillahi rabbil alameen. And I submit with Sulaiman to the Lord of the universes. Subhanallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also grant us that understanding at the moment we see a bounty of Allah, we must immediately think and ponder of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So at this point, now that she submitted and became a believer, she gave up her position of being a queen in Sana'a. It came under the rulership of Sayyidina Sulaiman and it became a believing land. She also returned to Sana'a where she took up residence. But there's a subtle point that some of the Mufassirun say, وَأَسْلَمْتُ مَعَ سُلَيْمَانِ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ I have submitted with Sulaiman saying that Sulaiman might have married Bilqis. And even though she went back to Yemen, Sulaiman used to visit once a month and spend three days with Bilqis after they got married.